Good morning. It is the 20th of November, 2020. Brilliant. Cloudless day. Morning, 810. As I cross the line of departure, heading down to the office. I'm excited for the day. It's a full day. We're not going to stop until around 3 p.m. And uh, so it's going to be one patient after the other. Everybody's eager to get in around the uh, Thanksgiving holiday or just prior to get in, feel good, square their shit away. So we've had some additions. We've got some a full schedule. And so that's good. As I've stated before, I like a full schedule. And I like to be busy. Makes me feel like I'm I'm serving a bunch of folks. I'm looking forward to them meeting their expectation of me, helping genuinely, and also making a good living, you know? It's it's good to be busy during a time when things are so uncertain. believe that, uh, like many do, that there's going to be a shutdown, and at the very least, what would happen is that, uh, you know, there will be government recommendations and mandates about this and that type of activity, but I think they'll be reluctant in a lot of cases to completely shut down restaurants or even bars, even though those are the places where a lot of this is transmitted, passed along, um, potentially, there'll be enough of a scare, the reality is that, that it's, as the numbers are rising with the coronavirus, it doesn't necessarily matter if, if a governor were to say, hey, you know, you can't go stay in your houses forever. I mean, that would be a harsh mandate, but things have been coming out recently with um, masks and stuff like that. That's not harsh. It's reasonable. So, but my point would be, even absent uh, somebody telling you what you need to do in order for our communities to be safe, people are going to withdraw. They're not going to be going out as much. And so we can still keep our office operating, but in an environment like that, everybody's going to be in that mode, you know? All right, working from home, no social distancing, no gathering. Should I do this? Should I go out to the store now? Should I keep this doctor's appointment? So who knows when that's coming, but we've been through it once. We'll get through it again. Um, So I have a thought on meditation. It's going to be a shortish podcast. Meditation. So, I was reading like maybe it was a meme or some shared article about meditation or clearing the mind, recharging. And, of course, everybody's talking about, oh, think about when you're going to meditate. Well, I've never done that. All it is is you're sitting down or lying down and breathing. 
and you're just trying to focus on one thing instead of a million things. So often that is your breath. You're just inspiration and expiration and how you feel and changing the uh, frequency and amplitude of your respiration. In other words, taking nervous, shallow breaths and turning them into deep, deliberate, predictable, slower breaths, but more full breaths. See, by hacking our respiration like that, we can um, change our mood, we can change the hormonal profile that's released, we can go from fight or flight to rest and digest, which is what we need to do. Um, But also on the topic of meditation and strategies, sleep. That's when you recharge. <laughs> so any anyone, it's obvious, but anyone who would be encouraging you to meditate, if they're like a night owl and they're <clears throat> burning the midnight oil and watching all kinds of trashy Netflix shows or whatever the fuck and missing their six to eight hours of solid sleep, well... But they're meditating their ass off. Eh, probably just focus on quality of sleep, you know, and, and nighttime activities where you wind down. Everybody's got their strategy, but you know, some people barely rest, barely sleep, and if they do, it's very light. That's see, that's why I put on my um, white noise. Typically, it's a rain pattern. And it's just so relaxing. It's, it's constant. It's like a, a veil. It, it like insulates me against um, anything. I can't hear anything but that. But shh, pitter patter, pitter patter. And so that's awesome for me because I just reckon just fall into that as if the rain is coming down around me and I'm in a tent you're just you're nice warm and dry inside your tent but the rain is really coming down out there that's a great feeling that's a very primal instinctive feeling that gives you because you you're shielded you're just you're right there in the storm but you are snuggled up safe and sound dry and warm so I do that so I with my uh, YouTube channels make sure I'm on my Wi-Fi my phone's plugged in turn down the the uh, brightness so as not to drain my battery and I just put on those fucking rainstorm sounds on a YouTube channel There's dozens of these channels that have all kinds of natural sounds, babbling brooks and rainstorms and waves crashing, Native American flutes and different frequencies of sound. 432, the healing sound. 538, the uh, recharge. Binaural beats, they call it. See, certain frequencies are good for our mind. That's why people might listen to classical music, because it's very organized, 
and very melodic, and it it's tinkering with your, it's tickling, it's dancing your brain. Your brain is grooving to that sound. Very peaceful, you know? So I had that thought on meditation, and then finally... There is this podcast I started listening to last night. It is Lex Friedman, who is an engineer. I think he's a real smart guy. He's Ukrainian, uh, Russian in origin. It's his lineage, so he's got a background there, and he's got history and his family and perspective. And he's a real, he's been doing his podcast now for, I don't know, several months, maybe a year. And you can tell he's he's no disc jockey, but he's an interesting guy and an interested guy, and he um, very thought very thoughtful, very smart. So he's got Dan Carlin on his podcast, who is probably one of the best podcasters ever. Uh, he hardcore history is his podcast, so he's got you know just endless hours of him talking, he's got a great voice, and real real knowledge, and he tells history in a certain way that makes you truly appreciate, you know, the, the intensity, the, um, the depth of knowledge is unbelievable, so they're talking, and the one thing, they're, they're talking about military, and, and the use of force, and in a society where our exponential growth, uh, for, perhaps of war fighting, you know, it's not like we're using friggin' lances and bows and arrows now, right? So when these weapons get more and more effective, and we can mass produce them, munitions, fucking bombs and rockets and all that shit, as we have pondered before, with the whole exponential growth plus um, rivalrous dynamics equals termination, self-termination. We will be a species that does that. It's likely, you know. If we don't notice these things and the ideas don't catch on and people finally say, okay, we need to be able to work our problems out more peacefully, you know. Because as the, as the dominant um, society which is um, typically tinkering around, innovating, and, and then practicing our new warfighting technologies on you know, lesser foes that up until very recently, you know, they have had rifles and stuff, but they're typically poor and um, not very technologically savvy. I think that's changed just in a matter of years, okay, where now, shit, they could be employing drones for surveillance, I'm sure they're doing that, or sending an uh, improvised explosive device over via drone, or some sort of camera technology, you know what I mean, like everything is, has now been automated, and so we're getting to a point where everybody, just like everyone throughout the, the world, can now technically have a cell phone and use all the technologies, all the apps, all the, have access to all that shit that we do, 
in the Western world. What are they going to do with it? You know, are they going to play Angry Birds, or are they going to use the, the technology and the communication means to you know, for good? That would be ideal. But one of the things that they talked about regarding force, the application of force, and all this, is that uh, the problem that they have, like the military, definitely pro-military, is something noble about being a warrior and being and training for this contingency and. Uh, being ready and being like a just a willing participant in this whole thing, and there's also the comrade camaraderie among warriors that is just beautiful. It's a kind of love. It's you and me, and we got to get through this together. And you told me everything about your family and your fears, your love, your you know. Uh, you might have given me a letter that says, "Hey, if I should pass, you know, give this to my sweetheart or my parents or whatever." You know what I mean? Like all those war, the bonding among warriors are in an unfortunate, shitty situation together. But the, um, the statement that was made was that if you are the person whose job, let me, let me get this quote exactly. The people who start a fire and send others in to extinguish the flames are the problem. I thought that that was so friggin' perfect. So the people who start shit, like our leaders, such a big responsibility to be the commander-in-chief or some sort of, you know, somewhat lesser grade military commander where you get the word about this particular foe and you're gonna, we're going to send troops over there. I mean, think across history, like Genghis Khan says, hey, you know, there's trouble over there. I want you to take a thousand of your men. I want you to go stand on the border. I want you to go invade all these villages around here. So you're taking somebody and saying, all right, well, yeah, you know, for Mr. Farmer or whatever, Mr. Pawn on the chessboard, I'm going to take you and send you out there and you're just going to kick anybody's, anybody's ass that you run across. Well, there might be a lot of people who dig that. And in terms of modern military force and America, for instance, to start a fire or to deliberately engage in a military action uh, unprovoked or even be an unsteady individual, less than thoughtful individual and compassionate person that would, you know, over some argument and against the, the best uh, advisement of professionals and experts in that field, foreign policy or military leader, whatever, say, all right, well, we're going to do this. We're going to put you in. We're going to pull you out. So if you are a freaking uh, fireman or the fire chief and you're saying you're going to put people, you're going to start a freaking flame going, and then you're going to say, hey, you guys, go put that out. Don't create, like, <laughs> we don't need anybody to create work for us sort of thing, you know? And that, what's zany about that is that warriors, that's all they want, really. When you train with a... Train like a warrior, whatever your genre is, you want to be able to function like a warrior because it's a great, mindless, very simple process of just... They're the bad guys, now go kill them. You know, 
It's like you build a race car, but you don't take it out on the road ever. It never comes out of the garage. Like, what point is that? And so there is a a degree to which you, um, if you build a race car, you got to go out and race it. You know, you kind of you build a build an army, strongest in the world. You need to use it sometimes. And people are going to expect you to use it. And they're going to push you and you're going to be prompted to use it. Because you have that capability. And so, so then you do. You do use it. And there are consequences for that. You care now if you're a former military. And you care about, you've been there. And, you've, and you know people who've been there. And you've stood by them. And you've seen the losses. And you know about leadership in these situations. Then you... Um, You know, perhaps you would then say, I'm not going to do this. But anyway, I think you're picking up what I'm putting down. That was about as far as I got in this episode. And just maybe within the first 10 minutes, but already in some real cool, thoughtful conversation about what it means to um, the difference between a warrior, the instrument that is used and encouraged and trained. And cultivated to fight, and the people who would send you, send you out there. And the latter, if they take it lightly, then that's a terrible thing. So there, Carlin was talking specifically about, you know, in terms of the application of force or military might, or you know, should we encourage this kind of behavior that is destructive? during such a, a uh, fragile time uh, where we have crazy capabilities but tempers are flaring and all that shit. It's the, it's the leadership that would, the politicians that would send us in that have a huge responsibility, you know, but to do that, a huge bit of power at their fingertips, but to exercise that power frivolously, you know, don't do that. Or if you do it incorrectly and just is a bad, it's not the favorable outcome, we lose tens of thousands of men or something like that and women. Um, you're not playing with toys here in the friggin' sandbox, right? We're playing with human lives. So very, very interesting. So check out Lex Friedman. I think he's a real thoughtful guy. He's uh, obviously a brilliant engineer and has a lot of knowledge to his credit. He's also um, from that platform. I think he, he's enjoying, seems to have, be having a lot of fun uh, developing himself personally and, and growing and, and interacting with all these awesome people uh, that are his guests. And, of course, he's a big fan of Joe Rogan because that's where I first saw him on, on Joe's show, and now he's doing his own show. So I wish him luck. And Dan Carlin, of course, if you're interested in history at all, really, truly understanding things, then um, that dude is freaking unbelievable. And that is hardcore history. Everybody have a good day. I'll probably have some things to say after I get out of here at 3 o'clock. Huh!